Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Let's try that again. Good morning. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you look freaking awesome. Oh, now turn to your second choice. Say, no, seriously, you look even better. That's awesome. My favorite people on the planet, second service. I'm so glad first service is over. You're my favorite. And uh, man, we're glad you're here at the Movement Church. My name is Carrie. My wife and I are some of the pastors here. She was the beautiful woman who was up here sounding like this. Can I pray for you this morning? I promise she's not a smoker, at least I think, but she lost her voice. And uh, last night was pretty amazing. If you didn't make it to She Collective, uh, we're praying for your soul. And uh, no, I'm kidding. It was a great time. It's a hot crowd. It was awesome. Hey, don't, don't, don't miss it if you're a lady in the house. Make sure that whatever women's event we're doing, man, we, I believe God's up to something big. And, and, and it'd be even better if you're a part of it. I actually want to tell you about something that, that we're doing in just a few weeks, and I want to extend the invitation. It's our second annual Legacy Gala, not Gala, Gala. Come on. And uh, I want to invite you to come out and be part of it. If you call the Movement Church home, or maybe you're here and you're kicking the tires and checking out under the hood, trying to see if we're weird or not, I promise we're not weird. Somebody sitting next to you might be weird, but we're not weird, so... Come out and check out Legacy Gala. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack his vision for the movement church and our response. And uh, it's a separate night altogether, February 24th. It's going to be at Aliso Viejo Country Club. It's $30 a plate. And I know that might be a, a stretch for some of you, but I just want to challenge you to come out and be a part. And, and, and here, every time I talk, I, I, maybe you, you can identify with this, but uh, be honest, maybe a show of hands. How many in the room are naturally bent towards cynicism? Would you raise your hand? It's okay. There's no shame in this. Okay. You're like looking for the angle. What's your angle, bro? What are you trying to sell me? What are you trying to... Anybody? Okay. Anybody else now? You feel a little safer? Okay. The rest of you, you, you need to be cynical. And so that's my bent. I, I, I have this natural bent towards cynicism, and I always preach from that perspective. Like I got to prove to you that God is good. And so I would even feel the same with Legacy Gala. And so for the cynics in the room, there, there's no strings attached. There's no hidden agenda. Just come check it out. For those of you that are reserved, like, I don't know if I can. I'm not sure what this is going to be like. Just, just come out and check it out as we unpack God's vision for this great church and what he's up to in our response. God is up to something big in Orange County. He's up to something big in the movement church. And I want to be a part of it. And the greatest part about it is I want to be a part of it with you. So come and check it out. February 24th, 30 bucks a plate. I believe you can text something. Legacy. You can always text something. Text Legacy for more information to reserve your spot. But here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that you make it a priority. Would you do that for me? Make it a priority. Come and check it out as we unpack God's plan and hope for 2019. I'm excited to share a few thoughts with you today. In fact, I've been just praying and going, God, what do you want to do? We, what do you want to say to us? And I just want to read three scriptures today, three verses. In fact, uh, if you normally follow along by texting notes, you can. It's just three verses. And uh, there's not much else to it. And uh, I'm actually going to conclude today uh, with a little bit of a different than our normal scenario. I just, 
I just feel God up to something. And, and I, I want to see God continue to do what he wants to do. And sometimes that means I've got to remove myself from the equation and let God do what only God can do. Can you just help me? Would you mix your faith with mine as I pray for the, the start of the, our service today? Would you do that? Do you, can you maybe, I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God in here. And he's up to something. And in all the years that I've been in ministry, which is almost 20 years now, and I know I don't look a day over 21, and I'm not. I just have learned that in moments like this, if you don't push pause and lean into what God is doing and remove your own your own ideas of what should happen, if you don't step back and lean in, then, then we actually miss the moment. God's going to do what he wants to do, but we miss the moment if we don't pause and lean in. And that's what I want to do today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and, and maybe just mix your faith with mine? Jesus, we, we thank you that you're a good and a faithful God, that you, you gave everything for us. Not so that we could just slip into the mundane routine of tradition, but God, you gave up everything for us that we could have life and life more abundantly. So what we don't want is more of the same. We don't want just routine and mundane. We want to see the miraculous take place in our lives. So right now, collectively, we open up our hearts and our ears and our mind. And, and, and not because we pray this every week, but because genuinely, God, we, we just need you to do what only you can do. And that is to be God. So we thank you that you're in this place and we lean into the fullness of whatever it is that you want to say and you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone said amen. That means so be it or go Rams. Can I get an amen? Oh, hey. Any Patriots fans in the house today? Oh, okay. Do we have some Rams fans in the house today? All right. Do we have anybody here that doesn't care? Oh, anybody that loves Super Bowl parties because of the food? Yeah, all right. Now we're in the place. That's it for today. Guys, go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm kidding. I just want to share a, a verse with you. And we just finished 21-day challenge, and we challenged each other to over 21 days for 21 days of devotion, and then uh, four times of a worship experience, and then one hang session with somebody you haven't connected with. And Many of you were involved in, in spending time of prayer and devotion on your own. Some of you joined us for early morning prayer. We, we met at, at, at a great office complex of some business folks in our church, and we prayed every day at 6 a.m. in RSM, a.k.a. Corona. Can I get an amen from some people? And, and, the, and uh, yeah, yeah, all the people that didn't laugh live on that side of the five, but we're praying for you. So... We prayed and prayed, and we just were seeking God, going, God, what do you want to do in our lives, and, and, and who do you want us to become, and what are you trying to do in and through us? And, and we did this for two reasons. One is because we always start the year off with 21 days of refocus and reattention onto what God wants to do to rearrange things in our life, and two, frankly, because it's part of mine and Megan's spiritual heritage. So in our teenage years and in our formidable years and our first kind of gig in ministry was at a great church in Dallas that was birthed out of, a, out of an amazing prayer movement. 
a prayer movement that swept the nation in the 80s and the 90s. Some of you weren't alive. Some of you were just straight heathen. You didn't know. Some of you may remember the time. And, and that's the, the movement our church was birthed out of. And we did early morning prayer every day, 6 a.m., for three years. Come on, somebody. And whoo, whoo, whoo. It was intense. 21 days was intense. Three years was intense. And we, we just saw God do some amazing things through prayer. And we wanted that to be a part of our heritage here because we need both roots and wings. Roots that hold us grounded to the values that we grew up with and made us who we are today. But wings that just keep our eyes fixed on the horizon on the things that God is up to. Saying, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in me? What are you doing right now? What do you want to do in this great country? So we spent 21 days of prayer and fasting and just seeking God with everything that we are. And this verse has been kind of my focus. That This Bible verse that has kind of been the linchpin through this journey is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And I'm sure you have it memorized. And it's one of my favorite verses and specifically when it comes to prayer and it reads simply just like this if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land and that's what we want we want to know that God is listening and he's doing a work of healing in our land. There's never been a time like now where our nation is polarized and divided. We need God to do a miracle right now in our country. We need God to do a miracle in our state, in our county, in our cities. And if we're honest in this place, I think we need God to do a miracle in our marriages, in our relationships, in our heart, in our body, in our mind, that God would truly be in control of who we are and where we're going. And I just love how the writer, he breaks this up into many components and facets. And he starts it off by saying, if my people who are called by my name. This is a qualifier for this scripture. He comes in and he says, who I'm talking to. The qualifier is the people who are called by my name. For those of you who are here and you're not sure what it is that you believe, permission to belong before you believe. But if you are here and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then what that means is I surrendered my life to Jesus and I stepped into the fullness of what he has for me. I began a journey with him and I take the name of a Christ follower. We refer to it as a Christian. I I take the name of a Christ follower. So Jesus, he took my sin and shame, and I took the name of a Christian. Are you tracking with me? So the writer says, if my people who are called by my name, this is a qualifier, if you're a Christ follower, he's talking to you. If they are called by my name and they humble themselves, this is such an intricate part of this scripture, it's an attitude of honor towards his authority in my life. It's removing pride and pretension. You know what pride is? Pride simply is this, that I think I know better. If you have a teenage son or daughter, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. If you were a teenage son or daughter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pride says, I think that I've got this thing down and I know just a little bit better than you do. 
But to humble myself means to subject myself. In other words, to become a subject in his kingdom, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, to say, I am yours. But you know another definition of this word humble? It's to cause silence. Isn't that interesting? To cause silence. It's this notion that I'm going to remove the noise which is competing with him for the throne of my heart. Now, all throughout Scripture, the word pictures used are that of a monarchy, of a kingdom. And that's because of the people they were speaking to in the time lived in a monarchy. And you, whether you realize it or not, you have a throne in your heart. And you decide, you dictate who is seated on the throne of your life. Some of us have our emotions seated on the throne of our heart. And we just kind of flow with the whims of life and everything that those. Some of us have fears seated on the throne of our life. Some of us have our own desires and ambitions on the throne of our life. And this scripture is saying to humble myself is to literally remove the noise that's competing with him for the throne of my life. And you know the greatest indication of humility is to kneel. It's this posture of I'm humbly submitted to you. Do you know in the Civil War when the South surrendered to the North, they literally knelt before the Northern generals and they surrendered the sword. It was this posture of saying, we are subjected now to you. We are coming under your rule. And he's saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, God, I need you. I'm not enough unless you come. Would you meet me here again? Because all I want, you know the song we sing, is all you are. Would you meet me here again? That's the song. I need you. God, I need you. I give you everything that I am. And to sacrifice our pride is such a challenge for us in America. To say, God, I need you more than anything I, I else in this world. God, I just need you in my life. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Pray. You know what prayer is? Prayer is communion, communion, communication. With God, it's a two-way street. I talk and he listens and he talks and I listen. When was the last time that you, you listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? Leaning into him for the great decisions that are ahead of you. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine who just got presented with one of the greatest opportunities of a lifetime. One that he's been working toward for, for years and the door just flung wide open and he was so excited and I was so inspired by him. And I'll tell you why, because he goes, hey, this opportunity is mine for the taking, but now we're pushing pause and we're leaning into what God wants to do in our life. And I was so inspired because the door was wide open and so many of us would just run through that door and say, it's there, it's mine. But he has this, this idea and this concept of, man, I don't want it if God doesn't want it for me. Prayer. And I don't know theologically where you line up with prayer and I frankly don't care. 
There's so many different theologies. And to be honest with you, it's one of those conundrums of the faith. But what I know is prayer changes things. You, all of you, look at me in the eyes. Each and every single one of you, you are here because someone somewhere prayed for you. Maybe it was a mom or a dad, a sister or a brother. Maybe you're saying, you don't know my family. If they prayed, I think hell would freeze over. Well, maybe they didn't pray for you, but guess who did? We did. Every week we pray. We pray specifically for people who aren't here yet. It's called the harvest. God, bring people from every direction, the hurting and the broken, those who need you more than anyone else. We pray. Why? Because prayer changes things. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And he continues, he says, and seek my face. Seek my face. This means to try and learn information about him. It's implying the diligence in the procurement of information. In other words, God, I just want to know everything that you have to offer. This is when communication turns to connection. And it's kind of a challenging concept. So pray and seek his face. But it's the concept or the idea of oneness that goes beyond conversation and then shifts to transformation. See, my wife and I can talk to each other, but it's a whole thing entirely different when we try and endeavor to understand what moves her heart. And the idea of seeking her face isn't, or his face, isn't this concept that my face has got, you look beautiful, by the way. She, your voice is so gone. How awkward do you think people feel right now? So awkward. How long can I linger? I don't know. You do look absolutely stunning today, by the way. It's not the idea that I'm in her face and I, I, I got to be close to her face to seek it. It's the idea that I, I want to know what moves her heart. I know what's going to make her angry before I get a text from her. I used to say this all the time. I could tell by the ringtone whether or not she was angry with me. Can I get an amen from some people? I know. Because I know it moves her heart. And that's what to seek the face of God means. Is that my heart is now aligning with his heart. I, I may have been walking in this direction or that but this is where God's at. I want to align my heart with who he is, align my nature with his nature. It's the concept of God. I don't have it in me. I need you desperately. And if you want it for me, then I want it for me. I don't want anything else. I just want what you have, God. That's what it means to seek the face of God. And in that process, in that journey, the word says he's faithful. And he begins to mold and transform because we're going beyond. Why am I doing this? I don't know. It goes beyond communication. It goes to connection. And he begins to transform my heart. And the natural byproduct is the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and patience and kindness. And goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Peace. I never forget two weeks before my dad passed away. He was in the fight of his life. Cancer was going crazy in his body and it got into his bones. I don't know if you know anything about it, but that's where it shifts to being more painful than you can imagine. And two weeks before he passed away, as I'm 
doing everything I can. Every phone call, he's in Texas, 1,600 miles away. And I called him on a Sunday. Hey, Dad, I'm praying for you. How you doing? He said, oh, man, I'm better than I've ever been. I love your mom more than I've ever loved her. And I just love the Lord with all my heart. He said, I woke up this morning and we spent time in prayer and in the word. And I just, I'm so in love with Jesus. And I was so inspired because he's fighting for his life and his body is shutting down. And yet he was filled with peace. Because he understood this posture. It doesn't matter about everything around me. It doesn't matter what the doctors are saying. It doesn't matter what my body is doing. I'm not enough. Unless you come, would you meet me here again? Two weeks later, he passed away. But man, what a way to go. Now he's rejoicing in heaven, the best time of his life. And he experienced this idea of peace because of an alignment of his nature with the nature of God. The byproduct is the fruit of the Spirit. And then when we are called by His name and we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek His face, the natural response is to turn from our wicked ways. I can't seek His face and continue in sin. One has got to give. If you think that you can follow Jesus wholeheartedly while doing everything you want, you have fooled yourself. But when I align my life with his, I don't want that stuff anymore. Because for some reason, I can see clearly how painful it truly is. And I can see the cost of the choices and I, I see the rewards of diligently seeking Him. And and I'm not even working to be better. I'm just surrendering to Him and He's working on me. If you don't know where to start, it's why we exist as a church. To help you take your next step spiritually. That's why every, sir, every Sunday after second service, we have a next steps course. Not just because we want to set up more stuff. <laughs> because we want to help you find your next step. And all of us have a next step. If you think you have arrived and you are stepless for your future, you is reckless. If you stepless, you reckless. I think I might write a song. Feel good about that. Are you trying? Oh, somebody said preach. Now I feel good. (laughs) So stop running past the next steps. We know you, by the way. We know. We are not foolish. We know. Run out on the outside as far away as you possibly can. Head down. Walk quickly. Make no eye contact. Do not look at Megan. She'll drag you over there. Go to the next step. Just take your next step. We'll help you. This this is the life that you want to live. I'm just telling you. A life surrendered to who he is. I'm called by his name. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to turn from my wicked way. And look at his response. His response is what humanity is crying out for. He says, oh man, when you do that, I'll hear. 
I'll hear the cry of your heart. I'll hear what you're saying and I'll see how you're living and I'll forgive your sin. That's the easy part. I've already done it. But then I'll sweep in and I'll heal your land. And that's what we want. To heal the nation. The state, the city, your marriage, your relationships, your heart. To dethrone fear and pride and bitterness. Let God be seated on the throne. He goes on with his promises in verse 15, and I love this. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 15, he says, Now my eyes will be open. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive. I'm looking and I'm listening to the prayer that is made in this place. This is his desire and his heart for you. Let me go ahead and invite the band to join me on the stage. My eyes are looking. My ears are listening. I'm ready. I'm excited. And every time that you come together and when you give your life to this, man, I'm listening to the prayers that come from this house. Listen, Orange County doesn't need another apathetic Christian going to an apathetic church. That's not why we started the movement, church. Orange County desperately needs people and a church who are up and awake to the things of God. Up and awake to the fullness of God. Up and awake to everything that God is doing. That's what Orange County needs. That's what you need. It's what you want in your life. I don't want the movement, church, and its people to be a community who, who, who doesn't see what God is doing. But I want us to be a community that causes the eyes and the ears of the Lord to be listening and attentive. I, I want the movement church and its people to be a, a, a people group that just, God goes, wait a minute, hold on, the, the movement church at Laguna Hills High School, we gotta pay attention, something big is up. Sorry, I'm spitting, it's the anointing. That's what we want to see happen. Listen, I, I believe that God wants to see a people that when we roll out of bed, all of hell trembles. All of hell goes, oh my God, they're awake. Why? Because we're more than conquerors, a chosen generation. We're pushing back the powers of darkness and we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who we were created to be. That's what God wants to do in our lives. It's what he wants to do in and through you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. I love how the scripture goes on in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 16. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever that my eyes and my heart will be there for all time. This is what God is up to. And I believe he wants to do this in our nation to move again in a miraculous way. You know, in the 1700s, there were some amazing revivals that took place and, and literally went around all through Europe and, and then began to subsequently affect the United States. And there's one man specifically in the late 1700s who was a key part of this. His name was John Wesley. And he was this, this amazing guy who spent hours upon hours in prayer. 
seeking the face of God, preaching the gospel, and thousands of men and women were saved because of this man's faithfulness. In fact, people referred to him as one of the most influential men in Europe in the 1700s, not just Christians, but people all around. He sparked this fire and this revival that swept through Europe. In fact, when we won our independence and he said, man, we got to get there quickly. God's up to something big and we got to be in the midst of it. And in 1940s, uh, this professor at a college called Wheaton in Chicago, he took a group of men with him over to England. He wanted to show them some of the original revivalists and the things that they did. And they went to John Wesley's base camp, if you will. And they saw the, the house that he stayed and lived in. And they toured through the kitchen and saw where he would sip on tea and pray and get ready in the morning. And then they went into his study. And there's still some of the original books that are there from now almost 150 years later. And could see the spine of the, the leather-bound books that he would read and study with. And he was known to write 14 and 15 sermons a week and had penned 40,000 sermons by the end of his lifetime. And then they went upstairs to the bedroom. And in the bedroom, there was the bed. And, and still preserved, there's two spaces on the ground where the carpet was worn in. And, and it's said that this is where John Wesley would kneel and pray for upwards of four to eight hours a day. God, do it again. Bring revival to this great nation. Bring revival to this continent. God, do the miracles and the signs and wonders that you promise. And the tour was over and the professor went downstairs and took the students outside to load into the bus. He began to count the students and he was missing one. So he went back into the house and went to the kitchen and the student wasn't there and looked in the study and couldn't find the young man and finally went upstairs to the bedroom and there he found the young man kneeling in the same spot that John Wesley had knelt. And the professor walked over and he tapped the young man on the shoulder and he said, son, it's time to go home. And the professor heard the young man say, God, do it again and do it again in me. And Billy Graham stood to his feet and walked out of the house and started a revival in America like never seen before. And I believe God wants to do it again in you and in this nation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Do it again, God, and do it again in me. We're going to close this service in an unconventional way today. I think one of the best things that we can do is to focus in on seeking the face of God. And I'm not going to give you three points of applications and best practices to point to, but just to close our time together, the remaining few moments that we have, just seeking the face of God. And the best way to do that is through worship. That's why we start our service off with worship, not just to give you time to get here, but to refocus our attention and our heart on who God is. So we're going to go into this for a few moments. And I, here's what I'm going to ask. I, I, you don't have to stand. You can stay seated. I don't care what you do. Just don't be a distraction to people. Hang tight for a few moments. And here's what I'm going to ask. And the way that only you can, just give God a little bit more. If you don't normally sing, today's your day to sing. 
It's not about an outward expression. It's about the posture of your heart. We're going to go into this time of worship, and I want to challenge you to give God everything you can so he'll do it again in our life. Amen. I want to take a moment before we dismiss and give some of us an opportunity to begin a journey with Jesus. There's a starting point, my friends, and it's not church membership. It's not getting perfect, getting cleaned up. It's just starting the journey. And he's done all the heavy lifting. In fact, the Bible says all we've got to do is believe. You might say, well, Pastor Kerry, you don't know what I've been through, what I've walked through, what I've done. And you're right, I don't know. But Jesus does. And the Bible says that in the midst of your darkest hour, in the midst of my darkest time, he still died for my sins. And today is your day. If you're here and you've never made that decision to begin the journey with no embarrassment to you, you get an opportunity for just that. And some of you in this room have been playing with your faith. You've been running from God, and today's the day to come running back. And ask everyone just to take a moment, bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around, nobody moving. If you're here and you've never started this journey with Jesus, or it's time to start this journey over again for the first time in a long time, let me give you the words to say, maybe in a small whisper or the quietness of your own heart. Just say, dear God, I know that you love me. And there's no place I'd rather be than here in your love. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And now make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.